the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. From a tiny college in Michigan to an unlikely spot in the NWSL to an even more unlikely starring role, Bethany Balser is used to beating the odds. On today's episode of All of Us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show, we're going to speak with the O.L. Reign and U.S. National Team striker who's looking to beat the odds yet again and break through with the U.S. to establish herself as a part of the team moving forward towards the 2023 World Cup. Welcome to the show. My name is Seth Bertelny, and joining me as ever is Goals Women's Soccer Correspondent Amy Ruskai. Amy, how's it going? Yeah, good, good. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to this interview. As mentioned, we have Bethany Balser on the show today. Uh, She's got a really interesting backstory, kind of unique among all NWSL players. Uh, She went to Spring Arbor University in Michigan, which is a part of the NAIA, a college association for small colleges and universities. She's the first player from an NAIA school to reach the NWSL, which would be kind of a beating the odds story enough as it is. But not only did she earn a spot in the league, but over her first three seasons, she's kind of established herself as one of the best young strikers in the league. Uh, She got called up for the first time for the national team in 2019 in the talent identification camp. And now she's back with the team this month for its two friendlies against Australia, and she's really looking like a, a decent bet to to establish herself moving forward as a more permanent part of this team. Peeking behind the curtain for the listeners, this was threading a needle to get this um, across three time zones. So um, yeah, I think we're excited to bring you this this interview, but also um, very impressed with ourselves for um, for managing three time zones all the way across the world. Yeah, not not just three time zones, but one in the US, one in the UK, one in Australia. There are very few times that work for all three, and we we managed to find one. So we're really excited to bring Bethany on to the show, and let's bring her on now. Bethany Balser, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. You have been to a talent identification camp with the US before. Um, you have not got your first cap yet. So here we are a couple years later. Tell us about your reaction to this latest call up and, and what it would mean to you to, to get your first cap in, in one of these next two games against Australia. Yeah, um, I was super excited to be invited to this camp. Um, I don't want to say like I wasn't expecting it because I feel like as a player, you should always be like wanting that and expecting the call. Um, and I knew I had a decent season in the NWSL. Um, the fact that it wasn't Australia, I was like, I don't know if I'll go. Like, I don't know if I'll go to like another talent identification camp or what, or if I'd go to like a legit one. So I uh, was obviously so excited uh, when Blacko called me and invited me in um, and knew that there was opportunity uh, to get my first cap in these, in these next two games. So that's obviously just like so exciting and, you know, just like the steps I want to continue to take um, to hopefully get um, a consistent spot on this team. Um, so I'm just so grateful uh, for this opportunity to, to try and just be in this intense environment again. Yeah, I guess after you, you got that call, who who was the, the kind of first person that you told? Because I guess this is your first call up with games, right? So it's quite a big deal. Yeah, it was the first person I called was my sister um, and told her. She's been like my number one fan and biggest supporter um, ever since I could remember. And so, um, 
I was just like so geeked the second I hung up from Black Girl, I called my sister immediately. Yeah, so your your backstory is is kind of the stuff of legend, at least in in our circles in the the women's soccer world. You know, you went to Spring Arbor University in Michigan, which is an NAIA school, and usually professional players don't come from there. Um, but you became the first player to play college in, in the NAIA and make it to the NWSL. So when you entered college. I would assume that you weren't really thinking too much about a, a professional career. Um, and then obviously over the course of your career, you scored tons and tons and tons of goals. And at some point uh, it started to become a possibility for you. So I, I'm wondering at what point in college did you think like, wow, I could actually like go professional. I could actually play in the NWSL and, and make a career out of this. Yeah, I definitely went into college, like, not thinking that at all. And then just after I had, like, my first two years of college were pretty successful, I started playing in summer leagues with girls who did play, like, Division One soccer. And so those opportunities kind of made it seem more realistic to me as I was competing and playing well in that type of environment. So it probably wasn't until heading into my junior year of college where I started to, like, think about that as a possibility and then following the, the summer going into my senior year, um, I was out in Seattle playing on a summer league team and, and doing well. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, like let's enter the draft. Let's try this. This could easily be a possibility. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I, I had heard you talk about your, your first few days as a, as an undrafted free agent with the rain. And uh, you, you told a very interesting story about how you were, apparently going to get cut on your second day in camp, but you actually weren't physically there. You had left for the day. And so they weren't able to cut you and they said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back for the, the third day. And then the third day you did really, really well. Um, what, what was that like knowing how close you came to, to being cut and then, you know, showing on that third day that actually maybe they should keep you around a little bit longer. Yeah, when I found that out, I was like, what? I mean, I was so glad I didn't know in the moment because that would have crushed me. Um, yeah. But I think it was like good that I just, you know, kept my head down. And, and I was so naive to the process. And I knew I might be there for two days. I mean, I was hoping they'd give me like at least a week to settle in. Um, and so, yeah, I just I think it just takes time for players to adjust to that environment. So I'm super glad I left that, that day early. I'm mean, not like another chance to prove myself and take advantage of that moment. But um, yeah, when I found that out, Blackwood told me about halfway through my rookie season and, you know, that it like it motivated, I mean, it kind of freaked me out, but then it like motivated me, you know, yeah. and showed that um, throughout the year, I proved myself that, you know, it's a good thing he didn't cut me and um, that I'm still here. What's it like kind of after you earn that contract and, you know, I know some people talk about like imposter syndrome and things like that, like, how long did it kind of take for you to feel like you you did belong on um on the field with you know these big NWSL stars that you were playing with? I think that's something I'm actually still learning. Um, just because you know after my rookie year, I didn't want to be known as like this one hit wonder. I wanted to continue to be consistent in the league and not just have a standout rookie year and then kind of fade away. And obviously. Like last year, it was just such a weird year. I feel like I didn't really get to prove myself again. So this, honestly, this past year, I feel like was a really big year of like, you know, Beth, you belong here. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, nothing was a fluke. Um, 
And so I feel like, you know, now sitting here today, I, I truly do feel like I belong. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. And so, I mean, it did definitely did take a while, um, but it's obviously something I'm glad I've, you know, come to terms with because that's where like a lot of my confidence comes from. Um, and I think it's, I'm just more comfortable on the field now, you know, knowing that I don't have to like, you know, just be afraid of what people are thinking of me or if I am good enough because I know that I am. And you've had a, a lot of big international stars as your teammate during your, your time with OL Reign. Uh, have there been any players, you know, in, in particular early on in your time with the team that kind of took you under your under their wing and, and showed you the ropes and, and, and really kind of helped you get established in the league? Obviously, um, Megan Rapino was so great to me. Um, she was injured most of my rookie year, so I was kind of playing where she would have been playing. And so I just remember so many halftimes her just, you know, speaking encouragement into me, advice. Um, and I feel like the last two years, I've still just been learning um, from her. And so that's been great. And then players like Bev Yanez, Lou Barnes, just veteran players um, on the team. And then even this past year with, with the international players, we had um, just being around players like that make you so much better and you learn so much from them. And so uh, I've just tried to absorb as much as I can since I'm such a young player and have so much to learn and hopefully a long career ahead. Um, and so it's, those opportunities have just been incredible for me and my development, I think. Are there any players that you've tried to absorb a lot from in particular, you know, kind of watching their game and maybe asking a few questions, you know, trying to get a, a few pointers um, on your own game while you've been there? Yeah, I, I think Megan Rapino has been one of those players. Um, I definitely look, you know, to the forward line a lot. Um, and so just with this, the team I've been on this past year, like Eugenie and Mauro, they were our front three. And so... Um, just, just making sure I'm understanding uh, what the game plan is when I was to go into games. Um, and obviously all three of them are such experienced players. And so um, whether I'm playing the nine or the winger, um, just, just learning from them and, and taking their advice and um, learning from them, yeah. Yeah, and during your rookie year, you had the chance to play under Vlaco. And now in your two call-ups with the national team so far, you have also been under Vlaco. So, you know, what can you tell us about what he's like as a coach and, and what kind of things have you learned from him and your time under him uh, at club level and at the national team level? Yeah, I absolutely love Vlaco. Um, just playing under him my rookie year, I think, was the best thing for me as a player because he gives me so much freedom to just – be myself and not put too much stress on me as a rookie. And so I think that really allowed me to just play with more freedom and um, just be okay with making mistakes, you know, because I was going to, and I didn't have to fear that as much. Um, so I really think I, I developed a lot in my rookie year because of him um, and his leadership. And then, yeah, moving towards the national team, you know, he, he's the same Blacko. He, he just really prides himself on um, instilling in us players, you know, the, the little things that make us stand out as a national team, um, hard work, playing for each other, making that extra run, those little things he, he really values. And so I don't, I think coming into the professional league, those are things I didn't necessarily have. And so I'm really trying to, to add those to my game and um, obviously become a better player technically, but there are so many things outside of, of the technical side that, that can really make you stand out. And so those are things I think that Blacko has made me focus on a lot and have allowed me to, to grow into the player that I am. You say it's the same kind of old Vlatko since you've kind of seen him at national team level. Is there anything different that you've noticed from club to national team with him? Other than just like 
like the the intensity of, of the job. You know, you can tell he's just so passionate. Um, he I've never known a coach who's watched so much film in his life and, and just knows the game so well. And you can and I saw that at both the club level and now the national level. Um, so in terms of his like intelligence and just and just how he coaches, it, it's pretty similar. But obviously, you know, being a national team coach is different than a club coach, and, and it's just so much more intense all around. And I just feel like he stepped into the role really well. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Get the latest news and views on the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL on Goal. All of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Find more U.S. Women's Soccer news and opinion on Goal. After the Olympics, uh, the U.S. has had four friendlies, uh, but in those four friendlies, uh, Vlatko was required to call in the same players that were on the Olympic squad. So there's kind of been this sense that there's this transition coming, but it hasn't fully arrived yet until this camp when Vlatko was able to call in kind of whichever players he wanted. Um, And now there's a a much younger roster, a, a much more inexperienced roster, uh, and, and it kind of feels like that transition towards the, the next cycle, looking towards 2023, has, has finally arrived. Um, I'm kind of wondering if, if you're kind of feeling that vibe in the camp. And it, it feels like, you know, right now there's a, a real opportunity for you and, and some of the other inexperienced players to really win a role with this team moving forward uh, if, if you can perform well over the, the coming months? Yeah, I think all of us young players are really excited. And obviously we want to, you know, become a regular and get our name um, on this squad. And so I think all of us are, again, just trying to learn as much as we can in this camp and adjust as quickly as possible. I mean, we got here and had three trainings and now we have a game. So so it's definitely a challenging environment to be in. But um, I think Blacko said this before, like it really it will really show like who – who can handle this pressure, who can um, thrive in these environments. And so I think all of us young players are excited for that opportunity. And we're obviously so grateful that we've been given it. And um, it, it's just exciting to have such a young group of players and be a part of, of that group um, where we can hopefully, you know, be the future of the national team uh, if we can perform well. And so um, that that's exciting. Um, obviously there's like nerves involved in that, uh, but it's great to have still experienced players here. Um, who are taking us under their wing and, and showing us the ropes and, and really being supportive of us um, because obviously it's it's such a cutthroat environment here um, and everybody wants to be on the field. Is it quite nice to have quite a few players there that are, you know, kind of in the same boat, that are uncapped, try to prove themselves and, you know, it's not just kind of, you know, you thrown in with 22 World Cup winners or anything like that? Yeah, it, it definitely just makes you feel more comfortable um, knowing that other people are in the same position as you and you, that you can relate on that level. Um, I think it takes like a lot of pressure off um, in, in a good way um, while still keeping the, the good pressure there because there's always um, some pressure you want um, just to push yourself to be better. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of comfort knowing that um, so many of us are in the same position. I want to talk a little bit about some of the uh, off-field developments in the in the NWSL this year. You know, it's been it's been a really trying season for, for so many people involved with the league. Uh, you know, it seemed like 
in the playoffs, we were kind of able to focus on everything that was going on on the field, uh, which, which felt nice. It was like a, a nice change from what had been going on in the, the previous months. And then, you know, sure enough, as soon as the, the championship game ends, there's more accusations that, that come out against another NWSL coach. And kind of, it feels like we're, we're starting this cycle all over again. Um, I, I'm just kind of wondering how, how you've been processing everything that's been happening and I'm wondering how you see all of the developments over the last couple months in terms of whether you're you're optimistic that there's going to be some some real change that is going to come to the league through this. Yeah, uh, obviously everything that has happened has been incredibly sad and tragic, and just you can see so many systemic errors um, along the way. Um, but like, I'm so glad that like everybody's being weeded out that like shouldn't be here that shouldn't be in charge um that shouldn't have positions of authority um because they're taking advantage of that position and so um i i am hopeful um i i I wish it wouldn't have to be so many cases where this happened i mean what there's only like one remaining coach who who was here from the beginning of the year in our league and so that part's really sad um but i i am hopeful for the future and that there will be change um because yeah, I don't. Nobody deserves to go through what this entire league went through. I mean, every team had some challenge to overcome, uh, a new coach to get adjusted to. Um, obviously, people experiencing verbal abuse, whatever type it was. Um, it, it's all really, really sad, and um, I think it's just gotten to that point where it's like so bad that there better be change, you know. And so all of us players, I feel like, have just really united on that front. Um, and you know, we're stepping up our demands and what we know we deserve as players. I think it's just kind of been walked over this entire time. And, um, I'm really empowered to be a part uh, of a group of players, um, pushing for that change and wanting that change. And and that should just be a standard amongst the league that we just haven't seen yet. And so, uh, I am hopeful for, for next year and what's to come and, and hopefully we can uh, just improve, um, just the, the process of checks and balances of people getting hired and everything like that, you know, to, to ensure that we have a safe space as players um, to perform in. You know, you mentioned that so many teams were affected um, and your team was, was one of them, you know, when Fareed Ben City was, was let go, it, it was initially kind of sold as a, an on-field performance related issue um, and then later on, it, it turned out that it was also because of an incident that, that took place at, at training. Um, and then, you know, Laura Harvey comes in and and you guys seem to really respond well to that particular change on the field. Um, you know, what was that process like for you? And did it, it feel like, you know, that change was was what was what the team needed at that point in time? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the change was good. Um, and, and yeah, there were just, there were just some issues with, with Fareed. I, I personally thought he was a good person, but just not, not the coach that our team needed. And, and yeah, I said some things that were a little off base and off putting. And so, um, I think it was best to get rid of him. And, um, I think Laura's just been a great change, been so, um, communicative and, and effective for us. I think, uh, that was a really big factor. Um, into why we had such success. We just had a clear plan and all of us bought into it. Um, and 
and, and emotionally that was just I don't want to say hard to go through but it's it's just challenging you know I mean you have one coach and then you have an interim coach and then you have a new coach and so that's um, just like a lot to process as a player because you're under three different people who have three different maybe divisions and, and different starting 11s and so you're just going through that as a player mentally um, and it's, it's like starting from square one all over again and so that part is, is mentally exhausting um, but obviously it worked out for the better and, and the second half of our season was really good and so that was um, encouraging and exciting. Yeah, and moving on to kind of something else in the the NWSL that um, you know people have been quite vocal about this year is the the need to boost salaries and you know the no side hustles campaign, which I know that you're obviously involved in. Um, how does that kind of fit in with some of the broader changes needed in the NWSL to to protect players a little bit more? Yeah, I think you know every player in this league um, obviously doesn't play for the money, right? Play because we we love the sport, we want to see women's sport advance. Um, and so, you know, it, there's just so many discrepancies, um, from the women's game to the men's game and, and they're just coming to light now. Um, and I think it's because we're finally, you know, feeling confident enough to talk about that. I mean, we're told to just keep everything hush hush. And I think we've realized that that's not okay. And there are standards that we deserve as players. Um, and there's, a, there's a lot of things that we want and it might take a couple years, maybe a decade to get there, which is sad but that's just the reality of it and I think all of us are just dedicated to that process and we just want to leave this league better for the next group of players that come in it um and I have like even in my three years of being in the league I've seen tremendous change which has been great and so hopefully within by the time you know I hang up my boots it can be even better for for the next group of players and you've talked about on your twitter account that you've been doing some babysitting on the side uh is that something that you're expecting to to continue through the off season? Are you going to be working a, another job through the off season? Are you going to be focused on soccer? What do the next few months look like for you? Yeah, I'm leaving Tacoma, so the family of my babysitter in Tacoma. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll probably find some some side hustle to do this off season, um, whether that's training girls, doing a camp. Um, maybe I could find some some local babysitting for my extended family to do. Um, but yeah, I mean. I, I obviously like just like love babysitting. It's something to do, you know, fill, fill some of my time. But, you know, the fact that I'm also doing it to get more money is is, is sad in and of itself. So, um, but yeah, you know, just looking to find things to do, get a little extra income uh, for the rest of the year. I want to finish with just a few quick fire questions. So no need to think too hard or elaborate. Just say what comes to mind first when I ask these questions. So Let's start with the best player that you have ever played with. I know there's a lot of good players you've played with. I always talk about our front three line, even like our front five as a team was this absolutely incredible Rose, Pino, um, Morrow, and Uj. Like when you're surrounded, even by one of those players, like you're going to get better. To be surrounded by like all four of them, uh, you're just going to thrive. So probably those ones. Yeah. Yeah. Hard, hard to pick between all of them. So I know. Hard- I'm like our entire team. Everyone. Um, okay. Toughest opponent that you've played against? Um, I'm, I'm thinking hard here. Obviously, like, Portland, because they're just rivals, like, every game. It's, like, just a battle. But I think this year, like, just the spirit. I mean, obviously, everybody thought at the end of the year they were playing the best soccer. So they were, I think, just the hardest team to face because of the momentum they had. Favorite game? Um, either uh, 
the 2-0 victory we had my rookie year against Portland to clinch playoffs. Um, so specific, but I just love that game. Or, um, I mean, obviously the 5-1 win we had against Houston this year was fun. I like love scoring goals, obviously. So when our team scored five, that was pretty fun. Yeah. And let's, let's end on that goals theme. Uh, favorite goal that you've scored in your career? Probably the one against Portland my rookie year uh, to clinch the playoffs. I came on in like the 70th minute. I like had a pulled groin. I was just on there to try to ice the game and then, yeah, scored against them. That was my first goal against Portland. That was so fun. So fun. Yeah. Tough to top that. Bethany Balser, you're off the hot seat. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your candor and uh, best of luck with the national team moving forward and then with OL Reign next season. All right. That was Bethany Balser. Uh, Amy, anything that, that really stood out to you from that conversation? Yeah, I always find it interesting when you kind of get undrafted players talking about adjusting to, to coming into the league, especially you think about kind of how studied, how star-studded that, that Reign team has been. Um, so, yeah, kind of cool that she's, you know, settling in and, and really finding her feet and feeling, yeah, that she does belong because she's, she's been great since she went there. So, um, and, yeah, against the odd stories, um, always good to hear. So, um, yeah, enjoyed that one. Yeah, for sure. I think for someone like her initially coming into the league, like you said, you know, there might have been a bit of a imposter syndrome. But I think what what Vladko did really well during her rookie season is he really gave her a chance to play. You know, it wasn't a situation where she got like five minutes here and then five minutes there. You know, she got a real run of minutes and it was clear that Vladko saw something in her and she delivered and you know, won the rookie of the year her first season. And then this year she scored nine goals, finished tied for second in the golden boot race. So, you know, she continues to to improve. And it, it does seem like if, she, if this trajectory continues, uh, she has a, a real shot to be part of that next generation of, of U.S. attackers, you know, with, with the likes of Alex Morgan and Megan Rapinoe Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, all being over 30, you know, there's there's a chance for her there. Yeah, and it's all mad when you think of the, the sliding doors moment that she um, she kind of talked about, about um, not being there and potentially getting cut, which is going to be one of the kind of craziest sliding doors moments I've ever heard, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you wonder, like, would that have been the end of her career? Would she just packed up and done something different, or would she have try to find another team to sign on with and then maybe become the player that she is now somewhere else. Um, It's pretty clear that she ended up in a really good environment. So you never know what would have happened, but yeah, it seemed like for sure it was pretty serendipitous that she was not present that day, day two of her first preseason. And then day three, yeah, like in hindsight, that was like the most important performance that she's ever put on in the field uh day three of training with uh with her new team as an undrafted free agent yeah was everything happens for a reason that's pretty crazy yeah absolutely um definitely excited to to see what you can do moving forward with the with the national team uh so we will call it a show there uh thanks so much as always for listening uh please leave us a rating subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we will be back to chat with you next week all of us, the U.S. Women's Soccer Show from Goal. Get the 
latest news and views on the U.S. women's national team and the NWSL on goal.